Namaste and welcome to Kidacity, where kids share, learn and have fun together. I'm your host, Samakrita, and this is episode 21. Santosha, Israel and the cleanest beaches in India. Last week, I talked about the Nobel Prize winners in chemistry. But what is a Nobel Prize? Nobel Prizes are awarded to honour people anywhere in the world who have done outstanding work in one of the six areas, which are chemistry, physics, literature, medicine, economics and peace. Mr. Alfred Nobel started the concept of Nobel Prizes in 1895. The first Nobel Prize was awarded to Henry Dunant for his Red Cross. This is the most prestigious award in the six areas and winners spend decades on working on their winning ideas or research. Welcome to Discover Yoga. Yoga is an ancient Indian system, which is the practice of bringing balance into our body, mind and soul. This week, we are discussing the concept of Santosha. Santosha is most commonly understood as happiness. However, Yoga defines Santosha as only contentment and being satisfied. But how do we practice Santosha? First, most of us children and even adults feel that a few things or activities can bring us happiness. This could be our favorite food, TV show, books, toys or even clothes. When it comes to activities, it could be shopping, playing video games, etc. But what happens when we link our happiness to these activities or things. We become unhappy when we don't have them. To practice Santosha, we should be satisfied with whatever belongings we have and whatever activities we do in our normal days. We experienced a part of this during the lockdown, where most of the outdoor entertainment options were closed. We might have missed going out for a few weeks, but now most of us are satisfied with entertaining ourselves at home. Second, the comparison of what we have or do with what our friends do is also a cause of unhappiness. Many times we want something because someone else has it. Think of the last time you asked your parents for a toy, book, gadget or dress because your friend has the same one. We are all guilty of doing it. To practice Santosha, we should not compare any aspect of ourselves with others. Every person is unique in their own way. And this brings us to the last aspect of practicing Santosha, which is about our talents. Being satisfied with what talents or skills we have is also important. For example, I could be good at reading and someone else may be good at running. By thinking about why I'm not as good a runner as the other person is going to make me unhappy. This applies to parents as well. Being satisfied with children's talents and not pushing them to do something because others are doing it 
It will lead to Santosha for everyone. Here is a small task for all of you. Make a list of five things or activities that you feel you're unnecessarily linking to your happiness. Discover what happens during this process. It's now time for some good news. The first good news is coming all the way from Peru. Jesse Katayama, a Japanese man, went to Peru in March 2020, just before the lockdown, wanting to visit the world-famous Machu Picchu. However, the day he was supposed to visit Machu Picchu, the local government announced the beginning of a seven-month-long lockdown. But he didn't give up. He took a small apartment in the closest city. He learned a lot during his stay and started teaching boxing to children in the city. He also made some new friends, just as he was losing money and had to go back to Japan. Andean Roots Peru, a local tourist company, helped his dream of going to Machu Picchu come true. This week, Jesse was the only tourist that was allowed to visit the site as he had bought a ticket seven months back. He's probably the only person in the world so far to have visited this place with no one else around. The second news is from India. Eight beaches in India were rated the cleanest in the world in a survey conducted by the Foundation of Environment Education based in Denmark. These beaches are awarded the blue flag. Currently, 4,500 beaches in the world have this tag, with Spain having the highest number. The beaches that got this award in India include Kasargod and Pudubidari in Karnataka, Shivrajpura in Gujarat, Goghia in Dew, Kapad in Kerala, Rishikonda in Andhra Pradesh, Golden Beach in Odisha, and Radha Nagada in Andaman and Nicobar Islands. You know where to go for your next beach vacation now. The French Open concluded this week in Paris and 19-year-old Igor Swiatek became the first player from Poland to win a Grand Slam singles title after beating number four seed Sofia Kennan. She also became the first female to win the French Open without dropping a set since Justine Hennen in 2007. In the men's single, Spain's Rafael Nadal won the title making it his 13th French Open win and 20th Grand Slam single title. He equaled the record of Roger Federer who also has 20 Grand Slam titles. This was also Nadal's 100th win at the Roland Garros Stadium in Paris. That's all for this week's good news. Are you ready for your virtual vacation? Get your backpack, sunglasses, water bottle and say hello to one country that amazing things. The fifth country is Israel. Israel or Officially, the state of Israel is a country in the Middle East. Its main language is Hebrew, and the currency is called a shekel. 
Sports such as football and basketball are popular in the country. This week, I'm joined by a special guest, Mr. Liav, an Israeli living in Bangalore. He will share some interesting facts, first-hand insights about the country, people, traditions, and more. I learned a lot about Israel in my interactions with Mr. Liav. Should we get started? Thank you for coming to Curiosity. It's my honor to have you here. And it's my pleasure to be here. My name is Liav. Uh, I'm an Israeli. I was born and raised in Israel. Uh, and currently, I live in Bangalore. And um, apparently, my uh, history and nationality is what uh, brought you to ask me some questions, right? So let's start. I'm 44, by the way. The first question is, sure. how old is Israel and how did it come into existence? Okay, that's a very good question. Uh, Israel is relatively a very, very young state. Just like India, it was uh, an ex-British colony and uh, it became a state in 1948. It became uh, a state for uh, Jewish people who uh, saw themselves as, as a nation and wanted to establish a state where they uh, could express their uh, national uh, beliefs and uh, feel safe and secure living there. Because there was a lot of uh, hatred toward Jews in uh, Europe and in the Arab world as well. So many Jews left Europe and came to Israel. There were other inhabitants uh, in what today is Israel, Palestinians. And till today, there's a conflict of where exactly and if Israel should have certain borders and uh, whether the Palestinians should have their own states. And let's just leave it there. I've read a lot of books. I have also read that a lot of people didn't feel safe, like you were saying, in Europe. Now I have a more better understanding on the concept. Okay, I'm glad. The second question is, what is one of Israel's most important festivals? And okay. why is it so important? That's an interesting question. Because let's uh, remind everybody that uh, the vast majority of people in Israel are Jews. Uh, more than 80% are Jews. Jews don't have festivals like you know them in India or you know them in the Christian world. But the most sacred one uh, will not be a celebration in the street, actually, but the, exactly the opposite will be the Day of Lamentations. It's called Yom Kippur, and it goes more or less in the beginning of September every year. And that's a day where everybody is supposed to torture their soul and to unease their body uh, in order to redeem their sin during the year and ask forgiveness from the fellow friends and everybody that could uh, bother during the year. On that day, there's a very severe fast going on. People don't eat or drink uh, 24, 25 hours. People pray a lot in the synagogue and people usually uh, try ask forgiveness from the neighbor, from the friends. So please forgive me if I hurt you somehow, please uh, forgive me. I will just add, it's a very curious day because uh, Jews not only fast, but they also don't do any, any work. They don't drive, they don't watch TV. So for 24 hours, the whole country is on pause. There are no uh, cars in the streets. There are no buses. There are no trains. Everything is quiet. Uh, and except kids playing with bicycles because that's the most safe day to be with a bicycle on the street because there's no cars. Nobody go to work, of course. So that's a very curious uh, experience. 
So actually, this is very similar to the day of silence that I had in my last episode in about Indonesia. Oh. You were saying that everything is on pause. And yeah. It's very similar to the festival they have there. Because asking for forgiveness to somebody, you won't do that. But if there's a festival, you will want to do that. Yeah, uh, it, it is. It is a nice concept. Of course, the better thing is not to hurt other people, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you don't have to ask for forgiveness. Yeah, it's called Yom Kippur, and it's more or less in the beginning of September every year. Okay, so called Yom Kippur. If I'm Yom it. Yom Kippur, yeah. So it's called Nepi in Bali. Ah, in Bali, okay. The third question is that I found that Jerusalem is one of Israel's most important cities. Mm-hmm. But why is it so important in the first place? Uh, that's another good one. Well, that question goes way uh, to the back. Jerusalem uh, is a holy city. For the Jews, where the old temple created by God uh, used to stand, and until now there are some parts of that old temple that are very sacred for Jews. For the Muslims, it's a place that Muhammad had some uh, important uh, issue. There's a very important mosque. Uh, right where the Jews considered it as a sacred place. And not far from there, less than a kilometer, uh, there is a place that according to Christians, Jesus Christ was uh, uh, crucified. So it's a very holy city for uh, all the three Abrahamic uh, religions. And it was was like that for the past 2,000 years, which is why the Muslims conquered it, the Crusaders came to... uh, uh, Palestine, concrete, etc., etc., etc. So when the state of Israel was established, it was very natural to make Jerusalem uh, the capital. But uh, the reason it is very important is it's uh, a history. That's really wow, because <laughs> <laughs> like all in one city. Yeah, uh, no, it's not only even one city. Uh, all all sacred places, more, more or less, one, two square kilometers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're all in the same area. So if you ever visit Jerusalem, you can see all the sacred places. Yeah, in uh, less than one afternoon. And moving on to the fourth question. Uh-huh. Why is there so much innovation and invention in Israel? I covered one new innovation in Israel in my last episode. Uh-huh. And it's in the city of Tel Aviv. Okay. So, what, what, what did you cover? It's a self-charging road. So when an electric vehicle goes on it, okay. while they're going, um, the the vehicle gets charged. Sounds interesting, actually. Okay, maybe we should invest in that uh, company. Why there? Why there is a lot of innovation in Israel? Are you asking? Here, the reason is uh, quite interesting. To start with, uh, uh, Jews were quite educated. Because whether in the Arab world or in Europe, especially in Europe, they were very educated. So when they came, they already had knowledge with them. The state of Israel is small and very poor in natural resources. But the only way that they can uh, thrive and not just be a poor country is investing in the human factor. Because there's no oil. Today they found some gas, but there were no natural resources. There's nothing to mine. So you have to rely on innovation. Therefore, there are a lot of universities and uh, a lot of uh, attention goes towards innovation. There's no miracles there. Simply the government 
put a lot of emphasis in innovation and because the population is uh, relatively uh, literate uh, since the beginning there was no problem of uh, illiteracy the population uh, ad uh, adapted itself to that requirement quite easy so so that's it so if you want to innovate you need to invest in that and encourage people to study actually i think the main reason i was asking this question was um so our our unit that we are learning in school is all about innovations and inventions and i wanted to find out why was israel you know so high yeah. in all of it and now i know so i'm going to tell my teachers and my friends tomorrow in class what yeah. i've learned today that's good that's excellent the fifth question is what is one thing you think the world can learn from israelis I would say um, there's something in Hebrew, uh, in Yiddish, called chutzpah. It's uh, not exactly being rude. The equivalency of uh, uh, Israeli to jugat, but not with all the bad connotations. Israel is uh, not in a hierarchical society. There are no hierarchies. Even if you're a simple employee, you can speak with the boss with no problem. Every, everything is very flexible and everybody is always trying to innovate and everybody is capable of. So that is one thing that Israelis are very good at is uh, being flexible and uh, find very uh, uh, innovation uh, uh, solution to, to problems. And they're not rigid. There is no rigidness in, uh, in Israel. Uh, if something needs to be, to be changed, people are willing to do it and people are, uh, can do it uh, quite quickly so that's an adaptability to the circumstances is something that i think uh, more societies could uh, benefit from and i totally agree with you yes but i got to add there's no miracle but israel is an immigration society and immigrants just like in the united states for example and australia are very susceptible for changes this is a big advantage of israel especially compared to its neighbors okay Israel and India are very good friends. I oh, yes. Can. My last question is, you are Israel living in India. Yeah. How do you like it here and what are the similarities and differences between Israel and India? So let's just uh, tell everybody, I lived for three years in uh, Gurgaon. Today is Gurugram uh, in Delhi and CR. And now I've lived uh, three years in Bangalore. So I kind of even had north and south, and it's now six years in India. Let's start with the differences. Uh, the main difference is uh, the size. Israel is a very small place, only 9 million people, and it's about uh, 400, 500 kilometers north to south. Uh, this is pretty much uh, Bangalore to Goa, while India is much bigger. So the size is, is, is a huge difference. Uh, and that changed everything because everything in Israel is fast and changes are rapid, while in India, any implementation will take years and even decades just for the sheer size. So that's a huge difference that people uh, don't see. Another one, I got to say, fortunately, Israel doesn't have that level of poverty that you can see in India. And that's something that is really catch the eye when you first visit India. And of course, when it comes to similarities, I would say that both Israelis and India scream a lot. Both Israelis and India are quite warm and quite welcoming. 
and are very happy to meet new people. And unlike, you know, in places like in Europe, in North Europe, there's people are more cold and you can live in the same building with people and never talk to them. Indians and Israelis are very, very open and very, and like to uh, invite people to the houses and of course, share food and uh, uh, experiences uh, all the time. Yes, uh, I've noticed this uh, in India and now I'm actually looking forward to going to Israel and seeing Israel because Good. I'm very fascinated about Israel. Now. Excellent. Whenever you go, let me know before I'll, I'll, I'll help you plan your trip. Let's just wait for that COVID thing to be over. So thank you so much for your time. I've learned a lot about Israel mm-hmm. and its cultures, its traditions and everything about it. And, uh, and thank you, thank you for inviting me to participate on your podcast. It it was pleasure. Goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. We are at the end of the show, and I want to leave you with an other recommendation. I recommend the books written by Ms. Sudha Murthy, who is an Indian author that writes children's books with Indian themes. She was the first female engineer to be hired by the Tata Group, and also famously lent money her husband to start the world-famous company Infosys. I really like these books because they are full of fun stories for kids and most of the stories have a hidden moral. Until next week, stay safe and Jai Hind from Kiracity!